When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In a native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service, without all the drama. Who here remembers RJ Barrett's suit that he wore at the draft, that pink number that he was wearing? Or even the formal wear he's been wearing for his ton of walks and other events? Did you happen to know that all of those were provided to him by Indochino? If not, let me tell you about them. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and designed your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BLUEWIRE at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase for $399 or more. That's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. This podcast is being brought to you by Indochino, Harry's and Roman. Thank you to them for sponsoring the show and thank you for joining me on this episode of the show. You've probably uh, become accustomed to Bulls HQ going to two pods per week. I've started doing that over the last few weeks or basically since the season has kicked off and I was actually planning on doing my second show of this week, I guess after the Bucks game, but after the way this Knicks game unfolded and how Kobe White played, and given that it's going to probably be a loss on Thursday to the Bucks, I thought, why not make the second episode of this week after this Knicks game, where we're probably all a little bit more cheerful right now. The Bulls obviously recorded a, an impressive win over the New York Knicks, winning 120-102, but even though the Bulls managed to rack up their fourth win of the season, the story really was all about Kobe White, who scored 23 points in the fourth quarter, seven threes for Kobe White, which was an NBA record, I believe, or at least a Bulls record of sorts. So he went absolutely berserk in that fourth quarter, and God, am am I glad that he did, because before he actually hit his first three in that fourth quarter, the Bulls were actually down by two points to the Knicks, 89-87 at that point. Then 
Kobe White hit his first pull-up three. We didn't know it at the time, but it was going to be the first of seven in that fourth quarter. So he went absolutely crazy, and the Bulls needed every single one of his buckets. And there was nothing the Knicks could do about Kobe White. And I guess that is the value of of a, a microwave scorer like Kobe White, and that's why I've compared him to Lou Williams in the sense that this guy can just score buckets, and he he may be a streak shooter at this point, but when he gets rolling, it's pretty damn hard to stop. And one of his best attributes at this point is his catch-and-shoot three-pointer, but he was even doing it off the bounce. I mean, he hit that ridiculous step-back three with the clock winding down. He was clearly feeling himself at that point. It was a really bad shot, actually, if we want to be if we want to be true about it. But Kobe was hot. He deserved to, th- to fire it up. The Bulls had a nice advantage at that point, so why not let it fly? And he made that ball rain. So Kobe White was amazing. Definitely his best game as a pro. And I, I, caught, I caught a little bit of heat on for suggesting as much after the game, but had Kobe White not gone nuts like this, I don't know if the Bulls beat the Knicks here, and we know that Kobe White, him going nuts in that second half against the Memphis Grizzlies, he was pretty key in getting the Bulls that W. Again, I don't know if they win that game, so... We could almost attribute two wins this season directly to, and maybe solely to, Kobe White. Because the Bulls, I don't know if they pull those games out against the Grizzlies and the Knicks without Kobe White just going absolutely insane, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. It's it's pretty amazing that you think that a 19-year-old guard who I personally wasn't expecting too much from him this season is now all of a sudden dropping 23 points in the fourth quarter of an actual NBA game, or one that actually counts for something. I mean, that is pretty ridiculous. So Kobe White is clearly ahead of maybe where we thought he would be in saying that his previous eight games were pretty damn bad. So it was great to see White bounce out of that or snap out of that streak that he was sort of rolling through there where he was shooting almost 25% from the field. It was It was pretty bad his eight prior games in the lead-ups to this one, but I'm glad he snapped out of it. And like I said, the Bulls needed this one, but I I don't know if they beat the Knicks without Kobe White going insane because like I said, the Bulls found themselves down by two points before before White went nuts. Now, obviously, the Bulls could have won that game had he not had that amazing performance, but he definitely sealed it. So I think it is fair to say that of the Bulls' four wins, Kobe White might be directly responsible for two of those. Obviously, he had some good teammates around him in this Knicks game, which I'll touch on shortly, but Kobe White was the story. He went absolutely nuts, and he showcased his pure scoring ability, and a lot of it was on the sh- on the jump shot. So like I said, 23 points, obviously 21 points coming from behind the three-point line, giving him hit seven of them. So his jump shot probably is his best weapon at this point, particularly his catch-and-shoot jump. But he obviously showed a little bit more tonight with the pull-up and step-back. That's probably not going to be the norm. But as a three-point shooter, White has something to offer the Bulls from the get-go. The rest of his game, it's, it can be hot and cold. We can obviously, we've obviously seen in the past few games that his decision-making isn't the best thing going around. But when when he's hot like this, you just have to leave him in. And Boylan deserves credit there for leaving White in here. He had the hot hand and he left him in in the fourth quarter. He could have easily gone back to Sadoransky or Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn was having a nice game. He could have gone with another option at guard, but he left in Kobe White, who was going nuts. So that was the right play by Boylan to leave in Kobe White, and he delivered. So huge props to White. I'm glad he went nuts because it was always it's it's always entertaining beating the Knicks, but it's even better when someone like White just comes out of nowhere and absolutely destroys the destroys the Knicks. That was pure gold. So shout out to Kobe White. What an unbelievable performance he put through. But like I said, he wasn't alone and I think Zach Levine deserves some credit in this game too, because 
up until that point where where Kobe went nuts in the fourth quarter, he was really the lone ball sort of keeping the team in it offensively at least. And I, I guess that's why the Knicks were able to be in this thing and that's why they had a two-point lead during that fourth quarter because the Bulls weren't necessarily getting a lot of offensive contributions from many other players on the roster. I mean, Larry Markin again had a pretty... It was a pretty bad game from Larry Markin. Only 4 of 10 shooting, 40%, 6 turnovers. That was probably the more concerning thing. But only 13 points, 8 rebounds for Larry. So he didn't perform offensively. Otto Porter was a no-show. Still hurt with that foot injury. So... Otto being the third option on the team, he was not going to be playing. So the Bulls didn't have many offensive outlets. So one, they needed Kobe White to go nuts because of that. But I think Zach Levine deserves some credit as well for keeping the team afloat. And it's easy to pick on Zach. I think he he certainly draws his fair share of criticism and a lot of it, a lot of it is justified. But whilst he can be a frustrating offensive player at times with his decision-making, I think there are times also where this Bulls team would really struggle if it didn't have his perimeter scoring, didn't have his ability to create off the bounce. And I think this is a perfect game where he was able to keep the team in it with his own scoring to the point where it allowed the Bulls to be close enough for Kobe White to obviously create that huge lead that he personally did in the fourth quarter. So Levine was very good. 25 points on 19 field goal attempts, five assists, only the three turnovers. You'll take that ratio based on Levine's propensity to throw away the ball so he had himself a very good game and he carried the Bulls through that first put well not not just through that first half but through the, through the first three quarters offensively at least because like I said Larry Markin didn't necessarily show up again which is kind of concerning now I guess we do have an update on Larry in the sense that Jim Boylan went on record and said that Larry is sort of nursing through an oblique injury. It's something that we did see him sustain during a game. No one made mention of it for two weeks, so we assumed, even though he sort of was wincing during that moment, that maybe Larry was okay or just playing through it, and he clearly has been playing through it because Boylan admitted that he has been injured, but... It was beyond odd that the Bulls had to wait two weeks to put that on record. I don't know why they do this. They're never transparent, the Bulls, about anything. And because they, they weren't transparent about Lowry's injury and the fact that he was carrying an injury, it's left us all to question what the hell is wrong with Lowry and to the point where we've been speculating about whether he's regressed as a player, whether he's injured, whether it's the scheme, whether it's his mentality. A whole bunch of reasons were sort of thrown out there by by all of us Bulls fans, myself included, on this podcast. So that's the reason why I hate the fact that the Bulls are never transparent because it just leaves to speculative thoughts by myself, by you probably listening as well. Everyone related with this franchise that doesn't necessarily know what's going on. When you see Lowry struggling that much and there's not really a good answer being provided, it's hard not to speculate, but I don't know why the Bulls decided to wait two weeks to tell us had they just been open and, and honest and Made it very clear that Lowry was battling through an injury. He was still playing because, you know, that's the type of character he is. Then I think everyone would have been a lot fairer and a lot less harsh on marketing based on the way we have been during the opening weeks of the season. Granted, he's still been playing bad, but maybe we have a little bit more of an understanding now that because he's been hurt, maybe that has been contributing to his poor play. But yeah, I, I don't know why the Bulls are so ridiculously non-transparent in that sense. And I don't know why Boylan decided to put it on record today. I don't know why they couldn't have done that, you know, weeks ago, but it is what it is. So I'm willing to give Larry a pass for now based on what Boylan has said in terms of that injury front. But yeah, I still hold my grudges as to why the team couldn't have necessarily done that sooner. But 
Beyond Lowry Marketing, like I mentioned, it was the Kopi White show. Zach Levine had a really nice game, but I think Wendell Carter was quietly damn good for the Bulls as well. Another double-double for Wendell Carter. That's his seventh double-double through 11 games, 17 points, 12 rebounds. He was a plus 17 on the game, shot 63.6% from the field. So Wendell Carter continues to get better and better, folks, and this is slowly becoming a theme here where Wendell is just becoming the most reliable player on this team. He has well, he wasn't the best player today. That that probably goes to Kobe White. But in most of these games, he has been the best ball on the court. And in games like this, where he hasn't necessarily been the, the one that's carried the team to the win, has he has been the only one that's played four quarters every night. So shout out to Wendell Carter. Another fantastic game for him. And like I said, this is becoming a consistent theme for Wendell. Over the last nine games, he's been averaging 14 points for the Bulls, 61% shooting, whilst also pulling down 10.1 rebounds. So the guy is turning himself into a double-double machine, and it's a lot easier to become a double-double machine when you're actually out there playing. And in this game, Wendell actually logged 35 minutes, so the most among any Bulls only the three fouls, but even some of those fouls that Wendell was called for where it was. There's some horseshit calls against Wendell in this game as they typically are, but I was pleased to see that Jim Boylan adjusted his front court rotation. So I wrote about this on Bloggable yesterday. I wanted to see Boylan cut his th- his big man rotation to three players, getting rid of Luke Cornett in the rotation. He did that against the Knicks. That was nice to see. I wanted to see Thad Young plays some more minutes. I got that. Thad Young played 30 minutes in this game, and I wanted to see Larry Markkinen play less minutes than Thad Young if Thad Young deserved more minutes than Larry, and that was certainly the case against the Knicks. So I got all of those three wishes fulfilled by Boylan, and I think that was the right choice by him. And that basically enabled Wendell Carter to log those 35 minutes. The fact that we didn't have to give 6 to 12 minutes to Luke Cornett, they would have been wasted minutes. Those minutes can go to a better player, whether it's Wendell Carter, Mark or Thad Young, whatever the whatever the distribution is, just get those minutes into those three players. The Bulls don't need to be playing four or five bigs at this point. Even against a team like the Knicks, a big team like the Knicks, just keep it to those three players. And I'm glad he did because Wendell Carter deserved to play for 35 minutes and he was fantastic. So it was really those three players that I thought at least carried this game. But I think the bench as well deserves some love because... I think the bench has been under some criticism to a degree. I think those three guard lineups has been something that most fans have had an issue with, and I think that's more than justified. But oddly enough, that three guard lineup was a big part in why the Bulls got this W because it was that fourth quarter run where the bench was on the court that really separated the Bulls from the Knicks. And obviously a large part of that was Kobe White going absolutely bananas off the bench. But he was out there with with Thad Young, Wendell Carter, Chris Dunn, and Ryan Archidiakno for a lot of that fourth quarter run before Zach Levine checked in a little later on. But I think guys like Chris Dunn and Ryan Archidiakno deserve a lot of love for their performance in this game as well. So just let me read you some numbers here. So Chris Dunn, Maybe in his best game this season off the bench, only only 19 minutes played because he fouled out. But in those 19 minutes, he had 13 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 steals. Played some amazing defense. Actually shot 5 or 6 from the field as well. So probably his best shooting performance this season. Hit one of his two threes as well. But he was a plus 15 in his 19 minutes. Ryan Archidiakno, he played 21 minutes. He was a plus 23. That is amazing from Arch. 
You know that speaks to me. That number speaks to me, folks. But he had five points, eight assists, three rebounds, doing his typical hustling stuff all over the court as Archie Diakno normally is. But those two guys were great support pieces for White whilst he was going nuts on the offensive end. They were setting him up on offense. They were playing good defense on the other side of the ball. And you, you can even throw, throw in Thad Young in there as well. 8.7 rebounds off the bench, plus 16 for Thad. So that bench unit plus Wendell Carter, that, that during that fourth quarter run, that really set up this game. Obviously, like I said, White separated the Bulls from the Knicks with his insane shooting. But I think the bench unit alongside him deserves some love as well because, like I said, that unit has been somewhat maligned. The offensive contribution of that three-guard lineup, White, Chris Dunn, and Ryan Archidiakno, it's only been producing about 94 points per 100 possessions, which is really, really bad. So it had not been producing at that point, even though its defense was quite strong. But in this game, in large part, thanks to Kobe White, but I think as well, guys like Don Archidiakno and Thad Young, along along with Wendell Carter, deserve some love here because their defense fueled that White run that he went on, and that combination of White going nuts with that Bull second unit defense stopping the Knicks, I think that's ultimately what got the Bulls a result. So, a good performance all round from the Bulls. Very happy that they got this win, a much needed win, win number four for the season. The team improves to four and seven now, and. Dare I say it, they're not that far out of the playoffs. Obviously, there's still a, a ton of the season still to go. I'm not going to get too carried away just yet, given the, the schedule that they've got coming up. But I'm very pleased to see the Bulls get the W, and it's even better when they beat the Knicks. I think we can all agree on that one. But moving along here, I want to talk more about this game, and I want to talk a few other things that have been, uh, I guess, newsworthy items about our Bulls. But before I do that, let me tell you about this week's sponsors. First up, let me tell you about Harry's. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secrets to a great shave? It hasn't changed that much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. As someone who needs to shave multiple times per week, I love a good close shave with that easy glide handle that Harry's provide. And that's why I personally endorse Harry's. Harry's is a return to the essential. They give you quality, durable blades at a fair price for just $2 per blade. And maybe more importantly, they've cut out the middleman, manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. Which means you get incredibly high quality blades at factory direct prices. Maybe best of all, Harry's is super convenient. Their blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule, with or without a subscription. Better still, there's no risk from trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of my show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com forward slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com forward slash blue eye to start shaving better today. Let me also tell the fellas tuning in about Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry honey I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. 
If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com slash bluewire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to roman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash bluewire for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com slash bluewire. All right, back to the show now, folks. Now, something that I wanted to talk about and get off my chest, it's something that I've alluded to in the past, but at some point, something needs to change with Wendell Carter in terms of the referees and the bloody bullshit calls that they are calling on Wendell Carter at this point. Again, he he wasn't necessarily in foul trouble against the Knicks here, but only had the three fouls, but still getting called for these absolutely terrible calls, and I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of it. Carter Gate... We need to launch an investigation, folks. We need to head to NBA head office and ask them what the hell is going on. Ask them for a please explain because this is getting on beyond ridiculous at this point. Our boy Wendell is getting absolutely hacked on the offensive end. When he grabs an offensive board, he's getting absolutely smashed across the face. Teams are raking him across the arms. He often doesn't get the call on offense. I'd hate to think what his field goal percentage would actually be if those field goals didn't count as attempts and he was actually going to the line. And then on the other end, he even just slightly touches a player and they get he gets called for a foul instantly. It is ridiculous. The only thing stopping Wendell Carter at this point is the league, is the referees, and even them trying to do so isn't working at this point. So I, I'm sick of Wendell Carter picking up fouls like this. And at some point, Jim Boyle needs to get out there and either get himself a technical foul or go on a tirade post-game, one or the other preferably the post game. Put some of your money on the line here, Jim. Maybe Reinsdorf or maybe Zach Levine, someone else will pay for it. But get out there and spread the word and ask the question why the hell the refs are giving Wendell Carter this whistle because at this point, it's become a joke. Like I said, it wasn't as prevalent in this Knicks game, but there are still one or two calls every game where where Carter is getting the raw end of the whistle on defense. He's certainly not picking up calls on the offensive end either. So, I would like to see Boylan come out here and be a little bit stronger and protect his center because at this point, it is fucking ridiculous and I'm sick of it. But um, I just had to get that off my chest because, uh, you know, you guys know Wendell is my boy and it just pains me to see Cartergate become a thing. I'm, I'm sick of it and I, I want to see it end and I just want to see Wendell on the court and I don't want to see the referees take him out of the game. If he's playing bad and he needs to come off the court... If that's a decision the Bulls want to do in terms of taking him out of the taking him out of the game, then let that be the case. But the moment when refs are taking him out of the game based on a few shitty calls, then that sucks for everyone involved, particularly Carter, but obviously us Bulls fans as well. But sick of it, don't want to see it anymore. So please get rid of it, fix it up, NBA. I think you'll all agree with me on that one. And while I'm on the topic of Wendell Carter, I also want to talk about this connection between Wendell and, and Zach Levine. And it's something that I've mentioned in the past, and I think it's something that I definitely want to see going forward more. But I, I've talked about how I want to see Wendell and Levine playing as many minutes together as they possibly can. One, probably for defensive reasons, because you know we all know Zach Levine isn't the greatest defender. And we know Wendell Carter anchors this defense. So 
If you're going to have Zach Levine on the court, you want to have Wendell Carter out there with him as well. But offensively tonight, I thought we saw why it makes sense as well because these two, probably more so than any other players on the roster, I reckon, have the best two-man combination or the most naturalized combination among any of these players on the roster. I don't know why it is, but they've developed a really good combination together. There's a chemistry there that, that Levine probably doesn't have with any of the other big men. And to be honest with you, I think Carter probably receives the the, the ball best from Levine at this point. There's the Bulls guards, they're not typical playmakers. They're not great playmakers, but so in that sense, Wendell, Lowry, and the other bigs, they sort of get lost sometimes in the offensive shuffle. But I think Levine, in simple pick and roll action where Wendell sets the screen and dives to the hoop, Levine has constantly been pretty good at getting him the ball. And we saw that a few times against the Knicks today where Levine was feeding Carter on the roll. And Carter has been rolling nice. I have to, I have some issues with the Bulls strictly using Carter as a roll man and not not necessarily mixing up and having him be a pop option. That's a separate issue. But so long as they're going to use him as a pick and roll guy, a pick and roll diver, then I like the combination with Carter and Levine, and I think that's something worth calling out because those two together, I like it defensively, obviously, but offensively as well. It, they've got a they've got a connection, and it's something that dates back to basically the start of last season, even the first few games of Wendell Wendell's career. They, these two were basically forced into forming a combination based on the amount of injuries the Bulls had to start last season. Larry Markner was out, Chris Dunn was out. The Bulls were starting Jabari Parker at times. They were starting Justin Holiday. They were starting, starting Chandler Hutchinson campaign even at, during stretches. So there wasn't a lot of offensive support for Zach Levine during those first week or two in the, of last season. So he, he had to almost rely on a rookie, Wendell Carter, at that point. And those two really formed an early bond during the start of last season where they were able to create that connection in pick and roll. And like I said, the Bulls don't have a ton of great playmakers. I think if you ask them to do anything expansive on offense, and that's when it becomes a problem. But I think if you ask Zach Levine to run a basic pick and roll where he either gets to to decide whether he makes the play or if he makes a simple dump off pass and hits Wendell in the pocket as he rolls towards the basket, he can do that. It's a simple play for Levine to make. And I think dating back to the start of last season, He's consistently been making it with Wendell Carter. So I think that's something I want to see continuing going forward as well. So keep pairing their minutes, Jim. I want to see more of Levine and Wendell Carter together. To me, that makes absolute sense and even maybe more sense now that Larry Markkinen is going through this tough stretch. Pair those two guys' minutes together if you can. And while we're speaking about Wendell Carter, I think another thing that was noticeable in this Bulls next game was he, he was much more aggressive on offense. So there was a period during that first quarter where Wendell Carter actually had six field goal attempts and the rest of the team had six field goal attempts. So the reason why that is relevant is post-game after the Bulls has lost to the Houston Rockets, Wendell said in the media that he and Jim had a had a discussion about his role on offense, how he was being on used on offense, and maybe he could be, uh, maybe they could explore using him a little bit more, getting maybe a couple more touches. And I think that was pretty clear that that conversation went well in the sense that Wendell put up six field goal attempts, and that during that that run through the first quarter, he had as many field goal attempts as the rest of the team. So I like that Wendell is getting more aggressive, and slowly but surely, folks, Wendell is taking over this team. He's becoming the vocal leader of this team. We we. Through these run of losses, I think it's become clear that the only bull at the moment that sort of lives by his words is Wendell Carter, and he is becoming the vocal leader of this team off the floor, but slowly but surely on the court as well. We've seen him own the defensive side of the ball. It's not a, 
it's not new for us to see him become the leader on the defense, but now slowly but surely on offense, he's starting to to feel himself out, starting to get more aggressive and starting to feel a little bit more comfortable here. And he's doing this, we have to remind ourselves, he's doing this with a bum left thumb as well. So I'd hate to think how good Wendell would be performing on offense had he not come into this season with an injured left thumb. But he's getting more aggressive on offense. On offense, That's what I love to see. Hopefully, we get to see him more as a pop option and start to rely on that jump shot a little bit more. I do believe in his jump shot. Obviously, we haven't seen it just yet. I do think he has a mid-range game in him. The three-point shot's maybe not there just yet, but I still want to see him taking those attempts. And maybe with him getting a little bit more aggressive here, maybe that part of his game will start to become more relevant and become more of an option. And I think that with Zach Levine will be interesting in the pick and roll as well. I talked about Wendell being used as a role man. I don't love that because I don't think Wendell should be just limited to that. But slowly but surely, if they can expand his offensive game to the point where he's even a pop option for pick and rolls with Zach Levine, then I think that really helps Levine in terms of him getting to the basket. But if we can exploit that option with Wendell Carter to even take that jump shot, or if you pop out to Carter and use him maybe as a as a as a passing hub, once he sort of receives the ball from Zach Levine, I think that can help the Bulls in terms of creating their three point shots. So I'm loving the fact that Wendell Carter is becoming more of a force on this Bulls team. You all know how I feel about Wendell. I've long said that he is the best prospect on this roster. I didn't expect him to be the best player on this team just yet, but he's been that for the Bulls this season. I'm, I'm thrilled to see what Carter has been doing thus far in the season. I'm glad to see he's becoming a more aggressive version of, his, of himself, which has been key. So I'm very happy to see that. And, and it was nice to see as well because he sent that message to Bobby Portis before the game that he wasn't going to let Bobby Portis come into Chicago and do his thing, put up his points, put up his rebounds, get the Knicks another win. And, and guess what? Bobby Portis was pretty damn bad in this game. Only seven points, three rebounds for Bobby Portis in 19 minutes. And I don't know about you folks. Obviously, Bobby Portis has some fans in Chicago. I get why Bobby Portis endears himself to certain people. But I never liked Bobby Portis. And that, that was even when he was a, was a ball. I just never liked his game. He's always a shoot-first player who didn't necessarily play defense. A one-way player who thought too much of himself. Obviously, never passed the ball. I don't really like that, that type of player that Portis is. And given that I'm a, a big Miritich stand as well, obviously, the way that sort of ended as well, I was never going to be on Bobby Portis' side. So I, I never liked Portis. I have no issues as admitting as much, so I'm glad to see Bobby Portis on a bad team like the Knicks. I'm glad to see him getting shot up here. He was chirping big time when he hit that three at halftime. He was chirping at Wendell Carter when he made his first bucket. He actually got a technical foul when he when he went after Wendell. And I'm glad our boy Wendell said something in the lead up to this game and basically said that that Bobby Portis was not going to have an impact on this game. And lo and behold, Wendell Carter made sure that didn't happen. So that was good to see as well. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, I just don't like Bobby Portis. That, that, that's an evergreen position that I have. Screw Bobby Portis and screw the Knicks. But I, I had to get that rant off my chest because, uh, yeah, screw Bobby Portis. But they're pretty much all my thoughts that I have off the top of my head about this game. I think, um, I think I've gone over everything that I wanted to highlight. So looking ahead to the schedule now, and like I said from the top, I made the executive decision to, to record a podcast after a win here. That was probably a good decision because the Bulls have the Bucks coming up on Thursday. Now, maybe that game gets, I won't say easy, I was about to say easy, but maybe it's less of a loss. I'll put it that way. 
because the Bucs have been hit with some injury news. Chris Middleton will be out for three to four weeks, which isn't great for them. They'll be losing their starting small forward, but the Bulls without Otto Porter, I don't think of that as much of an advantage, if at, at all, for the Bulls. So I'm expecting that one to be a big fat L for the Bulls on the road in Milwaukee on Thursday. I, I fear what Giannis is going to do to our front line. I fear... Giannis going up against Larry Markman and an injured Larry Markman at this point, I think that could be problematic. I think actually this is one of those games where it makes more sense to play Thad Young than Larry Markman. Maybe not necessarily at the start, but it's something to watch. I'll be interesting to see how Boylan manages his minutes against the Bucs because I think Thad Young is the matchup for Giannis. Obviously, Thad will be coming off the bench, but yeah, I'm a little bit worried as to where this game might go. And now I'm from there. On Saturday, the Bulls play the Nets. The Nets haven't been great this season. I'm not a Kyrie Irving fan. I think he is a problematic player. We've seen that in Boston last season. We saw that throughout the Cavs era as well. Obviously, they had LeBron to maybe cover up those issues, but it hasn't necessarily gotten off to a great start in Brooklyn as well. So even though I think the Brooklyn Nets are a better team, this might be a winnable game for the Bulls. And I, I don't think they will win it. I think the Nets should win it. But having said that, in the rare chance that the Bulls actually play a a full cohesive game, I think the Bulls can get this game against the Brooklyn Nets. They'll need it because coming up on Monday, then they've got the Bucs again. So this run of three games here are going to be pretty critical for the Bulls because the next stretch of games, they're not that hard. So there is potentially a chance here for the Bulls to maybe kickstart their season in the sense that after this stretch of three games, they've got the Detroit Pistons and then the Miami Heat at home. They can beat the Pistons. I don't know about Jimmy and the Heat. I think that's probably a loss. But coming up thereafter, the Bulls have a bit of a West Coast road trip coming up. And before they head west, they got the game against the Charlotte Hornets, the revenge game here. I think that should be a win. But then they've got the Blazers at home, the Warriors on the road, the Trailblazers on the road, the Sacramento Kings on the road, and then the Memphis Grizzlies. So we all know that those games in years past probably would have been losses, but the Warriors are obviously injury depleted at this point. The Sacramento Kings are going to be without De'Aaron Fox for a month here. He's also injured. The Portland Trailblazers have been really, really bad to start this NBA season. So I think that is a bit a bit of a gettable game here for the Bulls. So if they could get maybe one of these games against the Bucks, that's probably wishful thinking, but at least the, the game against the Nets. I think over the next sort of 10 games here, there's a chance for the Bulls to at least go maybe 500, maybe a little bit more and maybe get closer to getting their total win record to, to, to 500. So it's pretty important that the Bulls take these next three games pretty seriously because thereafter, the next stretch of 10 games is pretty winnable for them. Well, winnable in the sense that they could at least win 60% of those games. So we'll see how it all unfolds, but it all starts on Thursday against the Bucs. Uh, I don't know how that is going to go, but like I said, I'm pretty glad I made the decision to record a pod now rather than after the Bucs game. No one wants to hear me whinging about another loss. And on that note, I just, I just came to the realization based on a, a bit of feedback that I got on our, on the Bulls HQ Discord channel that people don't know what whinging is. At least, at least Americans don't know what whinging is. So when I say whinging, I'm referring to to me whining or me complaining. That's basically what I'm saying. Maybe that's just a an English colloquialism that are that my American listeners aren't necessarily fond of or aware of. But yeah, I, no one wants to hear me complaining or whining about another loss after the Milwaukee Bucks game. So hopefully. Well, hopefully that's a W, but in the interim that it's not, I'm glad I made the decision to record after this Knicks game because like I said, Kobe White went nuts. Zach Levine had himself a nice game 
our boy Wendell Carter continues to shine. And even the bench, Chris Dunn and Archie Diakno, they were very good in this in this win as well. So very pleased with how that game transpired. And it is always sweet beating the Knicks. It will never not be. But that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you, folks, for tuning into this one. Always appreciate it when you do. In the interim, if you want to follow more of my Bulls takes before the next episode of Bulls HQ, follow me on Twitter at MKHoops. Follow the show, too, at Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to send me an email, want to have a conversation on email, got any questions for the show, if you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord channel, hit me up on email, bullshqpod at gmail.com. I can get you that link. I can answer any questions you've got. So hit me up on the email. And if you get a chance, share the show with a friend. Tell them about Bulls HQ. This show will only ever be as big as you guys make it. So I appreciate your constant support. So thank you for doing that. But that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. We'll be back early next week to wrap up the weekend slate of games, talking bucks, talking nets, and hopefully we're talking about some Ws. So be on the lookout for that, folks. But that just about does it. Thank you for tuning in. Speak soon. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.